if you are sitting at home in your seat and thinking, we read this passage last week, right? Didn't we just, didn't we just read this? Am I losing it? Is this the wrong video? You're right. <laughs> we did just read the same scripture passage last week. You are, you're right on it. <laughs> and I promise it's a different sermon. I'm not that lazy. <laughs> last week, as I said, this scripture just has so much to it, right? There are Pharisees and disciples. There's multiple different stories in this one scripture. There's a beggar woman and a sick little girl. There is a man who is deaf and unable to speak. There are people, extra characters. There's names we don't know and foreign places. This scripture has a lot. It's pretty action packed. Jesus has been staying busy. And so last week, I really wanted to focus on just the first half of this passage. I really wanted us to focus on the fact that Jesus calls the woman he meets in the first few verses of Mark 7, 24, a dog. I want to sit in that. And so last week we did that. We tried to understand what to do with the fact that Jesus did call a woman a dog. And we as Christians can't ignore that. As we talked about last week, that woman was a Canaanite woman whose people had waged wars against the Jews, right? Her people and Jesus's people are not exactly BFFs. She's someone who worships different gods. She's someone who isn't a child of Israel. In fact, her practices make her impure. And most importantly, she's disruptive. This woman is loud and she takes up space. And that's really inappropriate for the time and age that it's happening in. Through the exploration of the verse last week, I hope we all came to realize that Jesus doesn't really believe this woman's a dog, but he makes a point to the disciples by calling her one because the disciples and the Pharisees, they've all fallen into the same, same trap of thinking themselves more righteous and worthy than others. So Jesus, he names out loud that self-righteousness. He calls this woman a dog and then he blesses her. He blesses the faith that she has and he exalts her right in front of the disciples and the people who think they're more righteous than she. And then from that, we realize that Jesus, he is for the dogs. Jesus comes for people like this woman who are outcasts, who are oppressed, people who are foreigners, for the ostracized and the broken and the sick. Those are Jesus' people. He comes for people like this woman who are pure of heart and don't have a lot to offer, but they will stand in front of Jesus and say, I'm a dog and I know it. I know I'm unworthy but I'm asking you for just an ounce of grace. And then we find ourselves in this week's passage. After we've seen this woman and her testimony and this lesson through Jesus, Jesus is making his way back to the Sea of Galilee probably about the same time this woman goes home to find her daughter healed in bed. 
And as he's making his way back to the Sea of Galilee, he's greeted by this group of people who are bringing him a man. And they ask Jesus to lay his hands on him and heal this man. This man who they bring is deaf and he's unable to speak. And I want you all to understand what this means for this man, because it's really important. This guy is somebody who would not be considered a vital member of society. He's not someone who would be appreciated. He's not someone who would have the same rights as other citizens. As someone who is deaf or unable to speak, this man would not be able to get married. He wouldn't be allowed to own property. He would be solely dependent on the pity of other people. He is a fringe member of society. He's not even a full citizen. For most people, he's probably not even a full person. The world this man is living in is not one that values him. It's one where his existence is inconvenient, where his ailments are probably blamed on sin, right? He's sick like he is because of his sins or the sins of his parents, where he isn't allowed to be in full community with other people. And Jesus heals this man just like he healed the little girl in our last passage. But what I love about it is how strange and different it is from the last passage, right? Truly, this is my favorite Jesus because while Jesus healed this little girl who wasn't even in his presence in the last passage, Jesus gets really up close and personal with this guy. He places his hands on him, but he doesn't just place his hands on him. Jesus takes his fingers and he sticks them into this man's ear. And then he spits on him and he touches the man's tongue. And we don't know if the spitting happens before the touching of the tongue or if it's like a together thing. But the point is Jesus does it and he heals this man. And it's weird, right? This is weird behavior. Jesus is somebody who can command the seas, who can heal little girls from far away, who can raise his hands and make almost anything he wants to make happen, happen. So why is it he gets up against this man and puts his fingers in his ears and touches his tongue and spits on him? When we read this, I think for a lot of us, our reaction is probably like, ugh. Because bodies are gross and saliva is, is gross. And like, why? Jesus, why? Why is this how you chose to do this? You could do it anyway. Why this way? But I love, I love that Jesus gives this man the ability to hear and speak in this way. It's my favorite thing about Jesus because while Jesus could heal him in any way he wants to, Jesus chooses to use his own body and his own saliva. He chooses to get right up, up against this man. He chooses to heal this man's body with part of Jesus's own body he touches the parts of this man's body that ostracize him from the rest of the world. And there's something so incredibly beautiful in that, y'all. There's something so holy 
and having the parts of yourself that nobody else wants to touch be touched by Jesus himself. I think it's probably pretty similar to what we actually saw happen last week. As different as that healing was, Jesus gives this woman who he calls a gift. And that's a gift of being seen for who she is. For naming who she is to the rest of the world to her and then exalting her. He calls her holy. He calls who she is and the body she's in holy. He makes the point that he is for the dogs and dogs are good. That grace is for the dogs. And Jesus does the same thing for this man. He sees him. He gives him this gift of being fully acknowledged in a world where he's just a burden. In a world where all he get is is a guy without the ability to see I'm sorry, without the ability to hear and to speak. And Jesus, he uses his own saliva. He takes his own hands and he puts holy flesh against human flesh. And he touches a man who probably never gets touched, especially with hands that are gentle except for that one time people grabbed him to drag him to Jesus and get him fixed. Jesus touches him. In the same way God picked up earth at the beginning of time and breathed life into it, Jesus puts his hands on this flesh and breathes newness into this man. We think the amazing part of this story is what happens after Jesus does that. We think, this disabled man becoming able-bodied is the miracle. That that's the good part of what's happening. That that's what we should take away. That Jesus can give people able bodies. And I really want to challenge that that's perhaps not the miracle here. Because for Jesus, this guy is whole as he is, right? There wasn't a moment in this story when Jesus called him not good. There wasn't a second of hesitation when Christ touched him. There wasn't any shaming around who he was. Jesus sees this man as whole already and then he touches him and makes them whole to the rest of the world. This man's entire community has likely never seen him as anyone that could contribute anything and they've probably kept him really at a distance. All he's ever been is a burden and sin-ridden and low and dependent on people willing to throw some things at him to get him to leave them alone. But now this man's community is forced to see him as whole, to see him as more. And they do that because Jesus has healed him. They see him for the first time. In the same light, I think Jesus has always seen him in. Jesus reconciles this man to his community in the same way he reconciled that woman and her daughter to their community. And that, friends, is the real miracle of this story. That's the real miracle of who Jesus is. 
I think we have to be really careful when we read scriptures and we think the miracles that Jesus performs, these healing acts where Jesus fixes people's bodies are all that there is. Yes, Jesus does perform miracles. He removes people of ailments. He removes them of things like the inability to hear or speak, but that's never just what Jesus does. There's always something that comes after that. We have to be careful when we think bodies aren't good when they have limits. We have to be careful when we think our bodies aren't holy because they're labeled disabled. We have to be careful when we think a body that exists in a way outside of social norms is one that needs to be healed in order to be holy. We live in a world and a society that is geared towards certain bodies and shames others. And that world is just like this man's world. Things haven't changed. And as people of Christ, we have to be careful when we fall into the trap of thinking my body and other people's bodies are not holy unless they're healed. Because we creep into ableism and we creep into the idea that unless our body is perfect, unless it's able to do everything this particularly structured society wants it to do, it's not any good. It's not any good for Christ and the church. But that isn't why Jesus heals people. He doesn't heal them to make them fit into the societal standard of what a good body is. He doesn't heal the man in this story to make his body better because it's sinful. When it came to this woman Jesus called a dog, he doesn't fix her daughter or remove the demon from her because she is unholy he doesn't grant this woman's desire because her body is a rejected one he does it because they're good he does it so that the rest of the world will realize their fault in calling this woman a dog and in failing to see her true value jesus heals people holistically the miracle isn't that this man's mouth opened and his ears heard for the first time. The miracle is that Jesus touched this man. Touched him with his own flesh. That Jesus found this man so incredibly worthy he used his own body to make it so that this man's community would welcome him. To make it so that this man's body would be accepted. He flips things upside down. Suddenly, these people around him can no longer deny this man. Suddenly, their system is set up so that some people walk freely and others get looked down upon. Suddenly, that system just doesn't matter because this man's outside of it. And I think that's the miracle of this story, friends. It's not just about taking disabled bodies and making them able-bodied. It's about taking people who a community ostracizes 
because they're incapable of seeing that body is holy and making it so that that community can no longer deny the holiness in front of them. And isn't that a miracle? That's the gift of Jesus, y'all, that he flips our communities and our lives upside down and invites us into holier living. He invites us to throw away our self-righteousness. He invites us to throw away our blinders and to stop putting people on the fringes. He looks at women that the world would call a dog and calls them faithful. He looks at a man ostracized for his body and calls him blessed. He opens the world up to these people, makes it so that their communities can't put them out anymore. He chooses to touch the person everyone views as nothing but a burden and makes a way. He breaks down walls so that no person can be left out or excluded from their community. And when we watch as people, even 2000 years later, we're convicted for our own failures and for our own unwillingness to see others as full members of community. We watch and we're convicted for the ways in which we see these people on the fringes and we just won't let them in. We're convicted because for all of us, there's someone who we see as less than fully a person, as less than human, as less than deserving a full citizenship. We're reminded that being a part of Christian community means doing the work of being opened. When Christ lays his hand on this man who's unable to speak or hear, he tells him, be open. And he opens up not only this man's world, but the world around him. And friends, that is what Jesus is doing for all of us. He's laying his hands on us and saying, be open. Open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart, open your mouth. Make room. Make room for the bodies the world refuses to make room for. Break down walls that the world keeps putting up. Call holy people that the rest of the world won't call holy. It's a hard question. But who is it? Jesus would lay his hands upon and invite to be fully restored into community. Who is it Jesus is inviting you to be open to, friends? Amen.